Hello and welcome to The View from the Linian. I'm Scott Salter and this week I'm joined by Ben James to chat the transfer window, Neil Harris as Cardiff City manager, the story so far, that Birmingham draw and the FA Cup game against Reading. Enjoy. I'm joined this week by Ben James. How are you, Ben? All good, mate. All good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. It's been been a little while. It's my first podcast of, of the decades and, and yours as well, I think, too, isn't yeah, it? My, yeah, I can't remember the last time I was on this old thing, uh, back on the horse, as it were. Maybe oh, sometime last year, maybe early, early in the season when things were rosier under Warnock. Yeah, well, I'd like to say we're giving the listeners what they want, getting you back on, but there's been <laughs> there's been no demands. Absolutely no clamour for me. One of the OGs, <laughs> and no, no one even cares. No one even knows my name. They prefer Ben Price. Yeah, that's it. Well, before we go into kind of things on the pitch, just two things to plug. Just if anyone's interested in any stats and analysis, piece, we had a great piece up on the site today by Reese Chambers, looking at kind of Cardiff blunt attack, and that's definitely worth worth looking at. And, and another thing to mention is. Uh, Love Sport Radio launched a, a Cardiff City show every Friday night, I think it is, and there'll be some yep. from View from the Ninian on every week. I was on last week, you're on this week, Ben. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it's like they, I think Love Sport Radio have a, a show for pretty much every team, and they've, they've set one up for Cardiff now with, um, I can't remember the presenter's name, I think it's Matt Beadle. Yeah. Um, really nice guy, and um, yeah, we're, we're kind of going to be involved on a week-to-week basis. So you might hear me one week, you might hear Scott another week, and then you might hear any number of people from the View from the Ninian, so check it out Friday nights. Yeah, definitely. And I was on last week previewing the the Birmingham game with uh, with Paul Robinson, who's uh, you know ex- not the goalkeeper. The I think he was a left back, wasn't he? And yeah, a I, very angry left back. He was a very angry left under 18s coach. Apparently now, uh, maybe there's, maybe there's a theme with Bellamy and him going yeah. angry, angry players. But I predicted a one nil Cardiff win. It was a one one draw and it was a pretty dull game, wasn't it? Yeah, I think you know there's a there's a theme developing of of Cardiff City teams under Harris starting slowly, and it's happened in a few games. I've seen Brentford, Millwall, Preston. I think the against Birmingham, we just didn't come out for the first half, did we? And um, then we're we're playing catch up in the second half, and we're already one nil down. So, so we're not scoring many goals. So so things always look worse in, in that regard. And yeah, I think Birmingham should be one of those teams we'll be looking to beat. But instead, we're we're happy with a one all draw. Why do you think it is that we're starting so slowly? Because some teams start games every now and then slowly and you know some teams can you know for example a lot of teams when they play Liverpool get caught out about by their kind of fast start but it seems every game Cardiff are just sluggish and and, and like I say it takes a half time to get going and by that point we're usually a goal down. Yeah I think I mean in, in some of the games I've seen I think when we when we played against Brentford um, we, we changed things up so I think Medina had been starting up until that point and then all of a sudden he was dropped to the bench so Ward comes in and I think wonder if we're we're trying to adapt to a new style. Against QPR, that certainly was the case. You know, we start with a whole new formation and our, t- our players were running into each other. And before we knew it, we're a couple of goals down and, and the same at Leeds. And I don't really know what, how to pinpoint it. I think some of it's down to change. I think some of it's maybe just down to players getting warmed up or something like that. But honestly, I can't really can't really put a, a definitive figure on it. What about you? Do you have any ideas? No, I'm not sure because you you look at he's been changing personnel. You know, the the back four. In yeah. the last couple of weeks has has changed a lot. Of on on the weekend, it was Richards, Morrison, Nelson, and Bennett. I like that centre back pair. I think Morrison and Nelson, you yeah, know, with with Bamba, probably still not fully match fit, is he? I'm not sure what quite what's happening there. I thought he probably would have been starting a few more games by now, or at least involved a bit. Um, so you can't I, necessarily put it down to personnel because that's a a completely changed new back four, new new goalie yeah. in recent weeks. So. It's a strange one, isn't it? Because it's, it's just been a constant throughout this season. Even under Warnock, to be fair, we were starting slower than... You know, we used to start games yeah. really well, didn't we? And we'd be competitive from the start. Yeah, and I, th- I wonder if it's... I just wonder if there's a general... I think I didn't... I don't know if um, I, I imagined this, but I think Harris hinted that there were fitness troubles with the players early on in the season. So maybe we weren't fit enough earlier in the season. And and that, that obviously plays into things. But I really don't... I just, I just don't think there's one thing week on week that you can pinpoint it to. And I think that's... That's probably more of a worry, really, isn't it, when you think about it? Because if it was a, if there was something specific, if you could say, well, 
you know, it is a new backline or it's it's a new a new striker or it's the way we a team has come to us and suffocated us out the game in the first ten minutes. But the reality is, there's there's just not one reason. I think that means that maybe there's a wider problem at the club to deal with or, or something like that. I don't really know. It's just a it's just a, a head scratcher in that sense. It is, and when you know, like on the weekend, I think it was three or four minutes, wasn't it? Uh, Jude Bellingham, who's who's you know been linked with a thirty million pound move yeah. to Man United, I saw today. You know, found himself pretty unmarked in the in the six yard box and slotted home. And you know, for all the game plan you could have in the world, it kind of goes out the window, doesn't it? After three minutes, of course it does, because then you're you're chasing the game. And I think um, you know we saw it against uh, Leeds way. I think Leeds went a couple of goals up quite quickly and. Um, we were we were chasing the game then obviously it had different results because he came back and, and got the draw but I think um, on Saturday you're kind of yeah like you say you're you're behind your game plan goes out the window and you, you open yourselves up more and that's when uh, teams then can obviously score more goals like they did at QPR but it's, it is weird because obviously against Sheffield Wednesday we, we, we scored what two goals in the first 10 minutes and um, we're kind of flying away then and then in, in other games we, we're 3-0 down after half an hour and stuff like that it's just it's just confusing, Scott. It's confusing. It is. It is. And in a way, in that sense, I feel sorry for Neil Harris and his coaching staff because I'm sure they're doing the same that we are, looking at it and scratching yeah. their heads and thinking, what is going on here? Because, you know, we're planning, we're we're getting them fit, we're, we're setting things up and then yeah. it's going out the window. So Yeah, I can imagine it's, it's frustrating. Frustrating yeah. for Harris and his team. Obviously, at half-time, he kind of switched things around a bit and... I've seen a bit of uh, contrasting views on this in, in mm-hmm. on, on social media a bit. Some saying that Harris deserves credit for, for changing things around and turning it around. I've seen other people saying it's slightly worrying that his game plan wasn't working, that he kind of mm-hmm. got it so wrong, slash that he's abandoned his game plan so easily. Where do you sit on that one? It's... it's- an odd one because I think you, if if something isn't working, you can't really criticise the manager for coming in and changing changing it up. But then, uh, from what I've seen under Harris and and from recent games that you know, like QPR, where we start with a different set and everything else, I just don't really understand what his actual game plan is from week to week. And I know I know you can have different game plans for different games for different teams and everything else, but there doesn't seem to be a consistency there. And I think if if you know you're starting with something that it doesn't work, then uh, you should abandon that altogether and just you know try and work on a tactic that that clearly does work and then try and implement that and i think you know when we when we went to qpr and lost 6-1 the reason we lost 6-1 in in my view was that we played a 3-5 or a 5-3-2 that we'd never played before we yeah. brought bamba back in when he probably wasn't match fit and then at half time you have to shake it all up and and start again in that sense and i think um it's just i i don't really i don't really have a particular view either way but i just wish that we we were in a position where we knew what we were trying to set out to do from the start of the game and then see that through for 90 minutes. Because at the moment, I just don't see any of that, except for the Swansea game. Yeah, I agree. I think if someone sat me down and asked me to describe how Cardiff play under, yeah. under Neil Harris, what the identity is, I'd, I'd actually really struggle because, you know, under Warnock, whether you agreed with it or not, it was very clear, wasn't it? We were yeah. a direct team. Even in the promotion year where we did play some good football, it was all quick and direct football. But yeah. under Harris... We, I don't even know, you know, more possession than Birmingham. And I think even in the Swansea game, we had yeah. uh, more possession, didn't we? But but I can't really remember us using possession particularly well or recycling the ball. It seems a bit a bit passive, a bit, you know, plan one. Well, I say one plan, but we're not even sure if there is a plan but without no, that any idea I, of how to actually break down a team. I think that's exactly it. I just think there's there's no clear and obvious way in which we're playing. We kind of, are we physical? Are we direct? Are we trying to pass it around against Swansea? And uh, credit to Neil Harris and, and the team against Swansea, it felt like we tried to find that middle ground because we were passing it as much as Swansea were, but then we were mixing it up with a few of the longer balls, and it almost had the desired effect because we almost had the goal with Callum Patson, and I think we had the, the the greater of the chances in that game. But against Birmingham, would you would you say that that was followed through and that was carried on? Probably not. We obviously started with a slightly different um, starting lineup, and and things have changed around a little bit more, and all of a sudden we're one down after five minutes, and I just think it's it's about time really that you know we're 15 16 games into the harris era and um like you say it's really hard to pick out the principles in which we're playing and which we're basing our performances on except for that swansea game which was solid defensive play knocking the ball around and trying to build it play that way and and trying to get the ball forward but uh, apart from that it's 
I, I, I said this when I went to the Millwall and Preston game. It was kind of like they come out, you know, at least Millwall were passing the ball around and, and doing that. Cardiff just didn't seem to want to do either, really. We were lumping it forward to no one and we weren't passing it around. And I just, I just, I, I struggle to see what the game plan is on from game to game. Yeah, I think, you know, and we'll come on to Harris and, you know, opinions on him as manager <laughs> in, in a little bit because I know we've both got quite similar uh, yeah, yeah. opinions. But you talk about the Swansea game there and, you know, I struggle with this. I think I tweeted in. We we spoke about it in the kind of group chat that we've got, and it was it was an improvement, mm-hmm. but was it just the bare minimum of what what we expected? Do you know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. particularly. I wouldn't say anyone's particularly great. It wasn't a great performance. It was just the other derby performances were so bad, so bad, yeah, that it kind of I, just met the the minimum. I think, you know, I think there there was a bit of kind of, um, what's the word, a reaction to what uh, Steve Cooper said in his press conference about one team coming to play football. And you had Danny Gabbard on tweeting saying that, you know, if only one team came to play football, then how come Cardiff matched them in possession and matched them in passing stats uh, and everything else? And I think, you know, you take heart from that because everyone talks about the Swansea way and they, they believe that they play this football that is irreplaceable and uh, better than anyone else. And I think when we match them, you kind of take heart from that. But yeah, I, I would otherwise I would agree with you. I think the last derby performance was one of the most inept football performances I've ever seen from uh, every man on the pitch, um, from goalkeeper all the way up to strikers. And I think we we improved on that. But it, was it enough? No, of course it wasn't enough. We didn't win. We we hit the bar and we created maybe three or four shots on target. So it wasn't this kind of scintillating performance, but it was just better than what we'd seen before. But I think I, I, think I tweeted something along the lines that that should be the basis for things going forward. That should be what we try and do in every game. We try and keep the ball. We try and play possession football to an extent, but we mix it up with the direct play with long balls and, and balls down the line and that kind of thing. But I, I don't know if that will that will be the case. Yeah, like you said, that should be the basis and, and we didn't build yeah. on that, it seems, against Birmingham. And there's no cliche, isn't it? But kind of one step forward, one step back, that seems where it, yeah. it seems to be at, at the moment. And or, or a step sideways in either direction because yeah. we just don't seem to be... Progress. We don't. I. I. I don't think. You know. I think we have progressed somewhat under Harris, but I don't think we're we're progressing or regressing at the moment. We're kind of in this weird stasis as a as a, a club and as a team that we're not really. You know, we're drawing a lot of games. I think it's something like eight games we've drawn under Harris, something like that. Yeah. Um, we're we're drawing a lot of games, so we're not moving up the table. We're not moving backwards, but you know, we're not really advancing in in any sense. And it, you know, it comes to transfers off the pitch, but I'm sure we'll get to that later. Yeah, and obviously Cardiff got back in the game through mm-hmm. Lee Tomlin, and you know it seems that was... that's the case, isn't it? And in all, yeah. all games at the moment, if something's going to happen, it's going to be through Lee Tomlin. And I, I mean, who 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 would have seen that? Did you see this at the start of the season that Lee Tomlin would be someone who he's you know he's almost scoring and assisting in every game at the moment, and without him, where where would we be? Where where would we be yeah. without him? Yeah, I, I definitely would not have expected this. I. I'll hold my hands up a bit. I've always liked Tomlin and I've always, you know, known, like everyone, his quality that he could have, but I just didn't think... I was... He was always bigged up and there was this idea amongst Cardiff fans that he could be the answer and there was a desire to have him in the team no matter what, wasn't it? And I kind of always had this feeling that it was a luxury that actually he would never be able to produce to this level of this consistency and carry the team like he is, but... You know, hold my hands up, prove wrong. He's just, he's just been phenomenal, and you know, yeah. he's the only one really. You look throughout the team who's contributing as you'd expect, and and creating those chances and scoring those goals. Yeah, he's become talismanic for us, really. I think it's, it's, it is pretty crazy when we think that you know, a year when we signed him, we expected this from him, and he never really hit the heights, and now he's, he's basically the first name on the team sheet. But I think it's just, I don't know if we can come to rely on him that much, really, because he does. As much as he's assisting and scoring during games, he does blow hot and cold. I think he was, um, you know, quite quiet in the Swansea game overall. He was quite quiet in um, the Millwall and Preston games. And I think if if we could get, I just uh, loads to criticise him, but if we were to get turn him into a ninety-minute footballer, just imagine how good he would be if he yeah. was running at players for ninety minutes. If he was on the ball more than he is, because you know, if you look at the stats, he still has quite, you know, he's still not one of those players who's making the most passes on the pitch and all that kind of stuff. And I think if we were if we were able to to get him, and I, I don't know if it's the way we play. I, I don't want to lay the blame purely at me, Tomlin's door. I wonder if the way we play isn't conducive to him to being that player. But if we were to free him up even more, then maybe he'd score hat tricks every game the way he's going. Yeah, 
you kind of look at the stats though, of of the players against Birmingham and you know the front four looking at that of, of Gavin White, Tomley, and Hoylett and and Danny Ward. White, Hoylett, and Ward. Neither of them had a shot. Tomlin had two. Glatzer, when he came on, didn't have a shot. So there's something going wrong, isn't there? Really, there that you know a lot of Tomlin's yeah. shots do come from outside the box. Um, something's going wrong that our strikers not having a shot. That that our wingers aren't aren't getting in those areas. And and what can we do? Do you think? Or what can Harris do to to fix that? I, I honestly don't know because I think we've got. <laughs> Arguably, from the promotion season to now, we've probably got a more talented set of wingers because you've got Hoyle and Mendes Lang who were key in that promotion season. Then we've got Josh Murphy, who, you know, when he wants to be, is probably the best winger in this division, but he doesn't want to be that very often. And we've got a young player in Gavin White who, um, who, who's clearly a very good footballer, but I, I think he's come into the club at the wrong time because we're not, you know, he's slightly overawed and everything else with with everything that's going on. I mean, in terms of how we can affect that. It's really hard to know, really. I just don't think we we play football that's kind of conducive to our attacking players at the moment, do we? I think Glatzel, when he started, he, I mean, in so many games earlier this season, he was feeding off scraps, coming almost 30, 40 yards away from goal to pick up the ball to have anything to kind of influence on the game. And I think Danny Ward can only seem to do it off the substitutes bench, um, which is interesting. And I, I, I don't know what it would take for him to be a 90-minute a footballer as well. I think... When we played Brentford, um, I, I, we played Danny Ward basically up front by himself. And I just don't think he's a target man in that sense, is he? He's not yeah. your, the, the player who's going to get the ball down and bring others into play. He wants to be running the channel to running onto the ball. And I think that's... I don't know this is a Harris problem. This is a Cardiff City problem. I mean, Zahor, we never played to his, his greatest strengths, did we? No, no. We always... He wanted the ball at his feet and we always tried to lump it to him as a target man. And it's, it's just been a problem at the club for so long. And I just can't... I just don't see why anyone hasn't sat someone down and gone what's going on here yeah I mean like I say it's been a problem for so long you look at Carlos City strikers and, and the last striker really I can think of that we that fitted our system and we played well with is probably Heide Helgeson in that promotion year. yeah yeah and and I think that was just Malky Mackay knowing a striker and knowing how to get the best out of him wasn't it because yeah. he he had him at Watford and he, had, he brought him in and just said, right, you're our target man and this is what's going to happen. And what, I think it was 14 goals he got that season. Yeah, something like that. And kind of one of those underrated ones, isn't he? You, you look yeah. at that season and people forget a bit about Heide Helgeson and that contribution. But without him, you know, that season wouldn't, wouldn't, have, wouldn't have gone up. No. no. So, yeah, you, you mentioned the strikers and, and Ward isn't one that brings people into play or isn't a target man. I don't think Glatzel is either. You know, the only person no. really that that can do that is Callum Patterson. Yeah, and I he I, I he obviously came out against Swansea and hit the bar, but I just don't know I don't know what's going on with him this season because he he started the season seemingly unfit, um, and I don't know if that was a wider symptom of things at the club or him coming back from injury, and he just hasn't really had a look in. But I think he's still he's still probably my favourite player, and I still think you know that promotion season he got nine ten goals last season he was our second top scorer I think behind Camarasa and it's just a bit of a fall from grace really but then how do you play to him in in the system we're playing is it the same as playing with Glatzel and everything else or I don't know it's it's, it's all a bit of a head scratcher it is yeah like I said don't envy uh, Neil Harris would um, you would you play four four two we tried that. Would you play three, five three two? You know, how would you fit all these strikers in into a better system? It's, yeah, it's, I mean, Glatzel. I, I admit that I didn't watch too much of well, too much any of him in Germany, but I do believe he, <laughs> yeah. he did play in a partnership two up front. Um, but the problem is then with the two up front, you can't really play Tomlin, can you? No, you can't because he he doesn't really fit into a, a natural midfield. No. But then, do you play Tomlin? Could you try Tomlin as a striker? Possibly. I think he's obviously playing as like a false nine at the moment or a false ten at the moment. Um, I don't know, really. It's just there's, there's there's question marks over every every position on the pitch, really, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, we're looking at Neil Harris's uh, tenure. How many games is it? Fourteen games, five wins, mm-hmm. seven draws, and and two losses. And kind of look at the two losses, and you know, that's a good 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 record. But it's those draws, isn't it? And I think more than anything, and, and we've talked about it a lot in you know our kind of private chat or whatever, that it's just so uninspiring at the moment, isn't it? And there seems to be just a, I don't know, it's just a bit flat, isn't it? The whole the whole situation at the moment, and since since Harris has come in, and 
I don't necessarily blame yeah. Harris for this, but it's just uh, a bit flat. It, it's really flat, and I, I, it's really hard to know where this is coming from because I think he's obviously come in, you know, been told that it's, you know, we, we he was kind of quite lauded in the sense that he was going to come in and play this attacking football, which he hasn't done. And I don't think any Cardiff fan was expecting him to do, which was a bit of a weird comment then to come from the the management team in that sense. And I think we we've come into January now, and like the, you know, we're we're in a transfer window. We're what twenty three weeks into a transfer window where there's been zero activity apart from releasing Gary Medine. Um, you know, there's rumours around other players leaving, but there's there's just nothing happening coming in. And I think even if things are going bad on the pitch or not particularly inspiring on the pitch, at least, you know, you can look to January and go, well, we can get a couple of players in who might inspire something, but that's, that's not even happening now. We're, we're kind of left kind of scrambling around and seeing what's out there. And it just doesn't look like anyone's going to come in unless we get Lee Gregory in or something like that. And I think it's just, it's kind of creating this malaise around the club. I think the noises coming from the club aren't particularly great. There's mixed messages week on week. You know, you hear Harris, uh, saying that he doesn't need to sign anyone, doesn't think he'll sign anyone. Then he's looking at five or six targets, and then next week is we haven't made any progress, and it's kind of it, it's kind of it, you're better off saying nothing in that sense. And I don't know, it's just great. And I think the games I went to, Millwall, Preston over Christmas, and um, and everything else, they were just really flat in the in the stands. There's no one, no one there really wants to is excited by the football, are they? No, and I think it was uh, it might have been Paul Gronner that said when we were chatting about it that he's never notice the time when so many people yeah. in the stands just chatting just not even really yeah. concentrating on the game because it's so uninspiring they're just just chatting and you know it's a tough one it's we... but i mean you know asking the obvious question if if we're playing on on the weekend against reading away it's it's a game that you know it's the fa cup for it's 10 pound tickets do you even want to go for a 10 pound ticket at the moment no not particularly and we, we've spoken with because you know, both neither of us live in Cardiff, so we both have to travel yeah. to Kings, and suddenly it's you know making that effort yeah. feels I mean, a bit too much for that for not much Red- return. Reading, yeah, exactly. Reading is a very reachable game for me. Being in London, it's forty minutes on the train. I I have a ticket, and I'm sat here now thinking, could I spend you know could I do something better with my Saturday? Because I went to the Reading game earlier this year where we lost three 0 at the the Medici Stadium and. That was probably one of the worst performances I've seen from a Cardiff City team in, in 25, 30 years of supporting the club. It was just abject. And I think if, if you know things are slightly different now, but if we go and start slowly and Reading have got people like Puskas and they've got um, the lad on loan from Liverpool or whose name I always forget, they could go 2-0 two, two up again quite quickly and all of a sudden we're on the back foot and we're looking like we're going out of the cup. Yeah, and it begs, we, we've talked about it, there's been quite a few different views amongst view from the Indian. It'd be interesting to see what, what anyone listening thinks is mm. how many games can you judge a manager on or, or how many games can it be before you start thinking this isn't this isn't the right man? Yeah, and I think you know, I I, I look at sort of ten to fifteen because fifteen is about a third of the season in, in the championship and if he's not making great gains then then you have to start asking questions. And I think I do. I do wonder what happens at the end of January. If there's there's a week to go now, and we don't make the right signings and and things don't improve, then on the pitch, then is he kind of signing his own death warrant in that sense? Because if if people are annoyed that we're not making signings, and then the transfer window closes without any major signings coming in, then the, any unrest that was already there or was kind of bubbling beneath the surface, kind of it, it's an excuse to bring it to the forefront, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And no, I think that. We're probably both in in agreement that he's not the man that we would have would have chosen to to come in as manager. And I've seen a lot of people talking about you know you've got to give him time, you've got to give him time to put his style across, and and almost writing off the rest of the season, um, which I I get in a way. But my argument has always been if we're going to write off the rest of the season, why not write it off and give a manager who's going to make a drastic change. Yeah, that time to make a difference. You know, I'm not saying I don't think the club would have gone for him after his his spell at Stoke, but someone like Nathan Jones would come in and it would be yeah. a drastic change. But I, same... I just think it, I, I agree with you completely. I agree with you completely. We're we've missed an opportunity here, haven't we? Yeah. And I think you know, it's, it's it's if Harris had come in, been the continuity candidate, and you know things had, you know, we 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 started winning those games again. Then fine, but I think the reality is we're we're not winning those games. We don't look like we're winning or we're turning those draws into wins. And the the football is so dire at times that people are kind of being turned away from it. And I think 
if you I think you only have to look at what's happening at Millwall now he's gone to yeah. know that maybe he wasn't the right choice because you know Gary Rowett who I know a lot of Cardiff fans hate and because I anyway, he's a right arrogant man and all that kind of stuff but he's gone in at Millwall and he's turned them around I think they've only lost two games since he's gone in yeah and I think that he's turned them from a mid-table kind of mediocrity into genuine playoff contenders and uh, and look you know looking up the table rather than down the table and I think I just think you're right if Nathan Jones was available if we could have gone and got Gareth Ainsworth and given them this season to kind of try and turn things into something a bit more progressive and, and forward facing in terms of football then but you know and, and communicated that in the right way then by the end of the season if, if things were into place and we then get the, the summer transfer window to build on it even more I think next season could have been looking really really bright but at the moment I just don't I don't see any positives in what's happening Absolutely and, and there's been you know the talk of or, or a lot of mentioning for a while since Harris has come in you know we're only a couple of points on the playoff a couple of wins and it totally transforms that but you know with all these yeah. draws that we're getting that's suddenly getting further and further away and you know, it's seven points away from the playoffs now with although albeit with a game in hand but you know those those draws and suddenly you get further away and and it's just you know for a team that got relegated last year with on paper what should be one of the strongest squads in the division it yeah. just seems a bit disappointing more than anything to be settling for uh for this kind of mid-table average you know uninspiring football yeah and i think you know you only have to look at what's going on at, at you know down the road i know we don't really um you know, like to praise Swansea, but they've obviously brought in a Steve Cooper, who a lot of people derived in the summer, but he's obviously a, a relatively forward-thinking manager. He's got good links to youth teams, which he's exploited this window by bringing in Conor Gallagher and, and Rian Brewster. And yeah, they, you know, they're on the verge of the playoffs, they're not quite in the playoffs, and and things could go awry. But they're they're in much better footing at the moment than we are, and I think we we should have learned from that really. Instead of bringing in a a, a middle middle of the road stalwart in people, someone like Neil Harris, we should have been looking at you know, managers who might not necessarily have had their chance at the first team yet, but could be willing to come in and, and prove it, who have good footballing principles in that sense. I just don't know. I, but then again, I don't know what the recruitment process was like. And maybe Harris sold us something that he, he isn't able to provide. You know, I don't know what the interview yeah. process was like. Yeah, It's just, it's, again, it, it's, it's a common theme, but it's a head scratcher. It is. And, you know, we talked about is it's the transfer window with three weeks in or something like that. People are dying for for some activity and in terms of incomings if you were looking at this squad Ben where would you look and think this this is where we need to address I think I think we need to bring in another creative midfielder to kind of maybe maybe back up Tomlin or maybe even add some competition to Tomlin to push him on a little bit further and, and add a genuine kind of uh, plan B if Tomlin isn't working because there are some games that he, he's quieter in I think we need to bring in a striker who's just going to score goals and I think you know I, I know his name's been mentioned but someone like Mated Vidra from Burnley would be the perfect striker for that because he's he's quite big but he's not really a target man and he's he, he brings something genuinely different to the strikers we currently do have yeah. and I think he, he you know he he's prolific in the championship has been at Derby Watford was at Burnley and he's not getting game time at Burnley and I think it's just it's just weak really that we're not looking to those kind of players to bring them in yeah, I, I agree. For me, it's the centre centre of the park, and you you kind of assess Cardiff centre midfielders, and you've got obviously Marlon Pack, who's mm-hmm. kind of that anchor man, the the Gunnison replacement, although you know not doing that that well of a job in that, in my opinion. Then you've got no. kind of Bakuna, Volks, and uh, and Rawls, and to me, they're kind of just like water carriers. It, it, that's not in a disrespect, but they do a lot of hard work. They kind of box to box, but. But in a in a hard work and physical sense, then you've got Tomlin as a as a ten who's that kind of creative. There's no like progressive midfield. There's no one who's going to come deep and get the ball and and carry it and break lines and stuff. No. It's kind of give it to Tomlin and hope he does something. You know that and yeah. that's really what we need. And you know, I think Victor Camarasa was was going to be a pipe dream, but someone like that to come and play as more of an eight instead of a ten like Tomlin that would get the ball carrier and, and spread the ball out wide because that's one of the problems we're struggling to get the ball to the wingers I think in that mould yeah and I, th- I think you're right I think we've we've stopped playing that wide game because you know in that first season obviously Mendes Lang was scoring a lot of goals and Hoylett was scoring the promotion season sorry Mendes Lang scored sort of five or six goals early on in the season Hoylett was our most prolific attacking player with goals and assists and this year I don't you know I think you know Josh Murphy scored against Carlisle um, I think Hoyland scored earlier on in the season, but 
I mean, Mendes Lang had a had a shocker before he got injured, and, and Gavin White scored one goal, I think, hasn't he? I think so. Um, yeah. yeah, and that was in the cup as well. And I just think it's yeah, we're just we're we're not getting the ball to our. And you, you're right, we're not getting the ball to our to our most attacking and most dangerous players, and it's it's it, we're suffering for it. And do you think Harris, as you mentioned earlier, that it's been mixed messages, and he, he said that he wants five or six players, and particularly I think it was after the QPR loss, wasn't it, that he came in yeah. and said, you know, he almost wants wants an overhaul of the team because players aren't meeting his standards. Then he comes out a couple of weeks later saying he's happy with the squad, and it's those confusing mixed messages, isn't it, that that's really maybe driving fans at the wall, dividing the fan base on these transfer issues, and and that's been one of the problems in the communication. Yeah, and I think, uh, but then it's also how must the players be, you know, think, feeling about the the kind of mixed messages. You know, is he happy with the squad? Is he is he looking to replace them? Is he trying to play some reverse psychology, almost, you know, tr- kicking their kicking their asses into gear in that sense? It's it's really hard to know what what he's trying to do, and I think it's it's almost it's just it's mind boggling, really, why he he's saying what he's saying, and I think. If he if he if he genuinely wants to make some signings or he thinks that there's players that need replacing, then he needs to kind of let his actions speak louder than words. As it is at the moment, he's saying that he's not going to overpay for players, he's not going to be bullied by agents and all that kind of stuff, which is all well and good. But if you think you need to replace players, then you need to actually do that. And I just don't see any activity at the moment. You know, Wales Online every every week they do every day they're doing their kind of transfer blog live, and it's it's actually you know it's it's. And, and this isn't uh, a dig at them. It's it's pathetic, really, how little activity there is around the club. We're gonna we're gonna lose probably you know Volks. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes and, and goes out on loan somewhere else. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe you know we we start to see players winding down their contracts because you've got players at the end of the season who are running up contracts. You know Peltier and people like that. And then all of a sudden our, our squad we could be getting to the summer with a depleted squad with players having having wound down their contracts, having having left on loan, and and all of a sudden we're not replacing them. Yeah, the one that worries me, and it, it might not be this window, but if it carries on in this vein, I think in the in the summer is is Callum Patterson. I only mentioned he's still yeah. your favourite player, and you know that promotion year, he was he was you know incredible in it, scoring from midfield in a new position, and then in the Premier League as well, he you know did a job up front and was was one of our kind of bright points, and then yeah. suddenly you know he's barely getting minutes. It's the big question of where he fits into it, and. You know, at his age, you want to be kicking on. He'll, he's got you know a sniff of the the Scotland squad and being in there, and he'll want to yeah. cement his place there. And I think it'll be a real shame if if we if we lose kind of Patterson in the summer, whenever it is, um, because I, I, think I think he's a perfect Cardiff player. He is, and I, I think the fans love him. He he gets the club and he gets the fan base, and he's just a bit of a loose cannon that we all like. But he's also <laughs> very good at football. I think like you know people see him as that that kind of nutter, but he's. He's a very instinctive finisher when he's in the box and you know when the ball's at his feet, as he's shown against on many occasions against Southampton, against Liverpool in that first season where he was even getting the ball in the net by tackling people and stuff like that. And I think it's we're just gonna there's there's an inertia around the club at the moment, which I think we're, if we're not acting now in January, then the season comes to an end, and all of a sudden we've got five or six players who who are looking down the barrel of a, an empty contract. I know we signed Tom into a new deal, but um, if if we've got five or six players looking down the barrel of an empty contract and we don't react at that point then if you're Callum Patterson and you're not playing at the moment and you can see championship clubs where you could fit in and, and do a good job and, and be you know a first team starter then then why wouldn't you look around yeah yeah so in one game that you know he might get some game time and, and some of those fringe players is obviously the FA Cup on mm-hmm. on Saturday Reading away and let's say you've got to get hoping that there's no repeat of that awful game at the start of the season yeah and I think I think I, I do wonder what team Harris will play going into this one because I think obviously against Carlisle we played a if you want to say a weaker squad but there were still people like Danny Ward and and um, and Flint in there who are you know big name players in that sense and I think it would be good if he did play some of those hungry players I'd, I'd like to see Will Box get a go in a position that he's more accustomed to yeah. I think at Rotherham last year he was slightly more advanced because he was uh, assisting quite a few goals he was scoring quite a few goals and we haven't seen the best of him yet I think. I'd like to see Joe Riles back and be given more of a free role because I think he could be a very good creative player going forward. He scored a few goals earlier this season and I think he likes to, to get on the ball and, and spray those passes around. And I think I would like to see Callum Patterson get the start up front because I think, you know, I, I don't I don't dislike Glatzel. I think he's a good player and I don't think we're playing him in the right way. But Patterson will just do a lot more running than, than Glatzel will, won't he? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's a tough one, Glatzel, isn't it? I I see so much potential there. I see you can see that there's a good player in there. Yeah, and I feel sorry for him because I just do not think, you know, it's a cursed position, isn't it? Strike of Carsey, and we just don't play to his no. strengths. And but there's only so long that people will have patience, isn't it? Of course there is, and I think he's how many goals has he scored? He's what three or four goals this season, and one yeah. of them was a penalty and all that kind of stuff. And I think. I do think that it's just going to be it's going to be a case of another Zahor in that sense that player you know the fans will just lose their patience with him and he he won't get the chance because I think you know there were there were moments last season when obviously Zahor was trying his best and and driving it wasn't coming off for him and our fans are chanting Danny Danny Ward and I think we're, we're probably only a game or two away from that really because I think Danny Ward seems to be the perennial favourite of the of you know when he's not playing and I think it's just going to be it, it, it's only a matter of time and. Harris in the past has, has valued the FA Cup and he, he's spoken about that at coming in. I know Millwall reached, was it the semi-final they reached a couple of years ago? Or? I think it was the semi-final. Yeah. Um, it was a couple, yeah, they, they were fighting amongst themselves against Wigan, I think it was, um, at Wembley. And then I think they got to the quarters last year, or they were one round away from the quarters last year because um, the, the Dave Martin, the now West Ham keeper, uh, made a howler against Brighton, but they went at the other end and scored, I think. That, uh, that okay. one rings a bell I can't remember I have very specific but sometimes wrong memories <laughs> but do you think do you value the FA Cup still or, or do you think would you blame him for for kind of not throwing it away but playing a weaker team and, and going out to concentrate on on the league and getting that league form or, or do you think a cup run could be good I think they kind of go hand in hand right I think the the season we got to the FA Cup final we we were up and down in the league but I think off the back of the FA Cup run, we we got more confidence from beating teams like Wolves, beating teams like Middlesbrough that push us up the table a little bit. And I always remember, you know, that, that 2008 season, getting to go to Wembley, play against Barnsley, getting to go to the finals, play against Portsmouth and going so close. It's always had good memories for me, the FA Cup. I used to love going to the games as a kid, even when we had non-league teams, you know, when we beat Leeds at home. They're all such fond memories that I think I've got an emotional attachment to the FA Cup that makes me want to want us to progress in it as a club. And I think you know, at the moment we're what thirteenth in the table. We're we're neither we were seven points off the playoffs and about seven or about ten points off relegation zone. We're, we're smack bang in the middle. I don't see why we can't throw caution to the wind a little bit and and really push it in the FA Cup. Reading are you know they're below us in the league, so they're they're eminently beatable. Um, if we put out a decent side and, and get a good result, then confidence grows in other places. But we also get the chance of a good team in the next round or a, a good cup run if there are championship teams to play play against as well. Yeah, you, you do you feel almost, the same, or are you? Yeah, you I think I feel, I think I feel the same because I think you're right. Getting the getting through or maybe drawing a big team in in the next round could really, you know, be a kickstart for for the second half of the season. You know, if if we get a Man United or someone and they, you know, come to the Carlisle City stage and we put a good performance in or even beat them, and you know, that could really rejuvenate that kind of excitement around the club. Yeah, and I think I think. At the moment, like we said earlier, there's the inertia around the fans. You can hear people talking in the stadium and all that kind of stuff. And I think it's it's important as a club that we get something that's going to raise the morale. And if that's an FA Cup run and a, a decent chance of getting through to the next round, then I think we have to take it with both hands. I was going to ask if, if we got to the final and and which player would be this year Stephen Thompson doing a song, but it'd be Callum Patterson, wouldn't it? It would it'd be Callum Patterson, yeah. Callum Patterson and Sean Morrison, probably. Um, yeah. I think they're... They're both of equal, um, equal. Um, what did what did um, I think Neil Warnock said? Callum Patterson, he's a few sandwiches short of a picnic, and I think that's uh, <laughs> that goes for both of them really in the best way possible. I don't yeah. want them to be offended. We love them for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they probably both beat me up. They're quite big. <laughs> well, we've got some some questions that that were tweeted into us that we'll go through before before we finish. Mm-hmm. Um, first one from Colin Phillips: Has the manager lost the dressing room? Oh, it's an interesting one, that isn't it? Because there's no signs I, I, of it, I don't think. No, there aren't. There aren't signs of it, but I think, you know, I think when he came in, there was a lot of talk about new ideas and him pepping things up around the place. And I think there was a a bit of a spring in our step for a while. But I think, I, I think the the best way of looking at it is that the renaissance hasn't happened, has it? No. I think we are expecting this kind of, you know, the players like Josh Murphy to all of a sudden be playing a lot better. Gavin White to have the best out of him. Glatzel to have the best out of him, and things just have stayed the same. I don't think they, you know, he's actively lost the dressing room, but I just don't think he's having the desired effect and that creates this feeling that the players aren't pulling for him. 
And two questions on Danny Ward. The first from some bloke called Scott Johnson. Um, He asks, (laughs) Danny Ward, well, he's just tweeted, Danny Ward on the right wing, tap nose. So I think he's asking, do we think Danny Ward could play on the right wing? I mean, he probably could, but I don't know how well he would do. I mean, is he particularly quick? I don't think so. Not from him. No, I, I can kind of understand where he's coming from because Danny Ward is a willful runner. He he likes playing the channels and and getting balls in and all that kind of stuff. But I I just think we would if we played him on the on the wing we would lose some of his potency because I think he you know he when he gets chances he tends to put them away and he's a bit of a a bit of a nuisance when he gets in the box and I think if we were gonna play him I would rather play him alongside someone else where like we say if you're you're playing him as a as one in a one of two up front, then he's the person who plays off that target man, isn't he? And I think yeah. that would be the best way of playing him. I understand where Scott's coming from, but I think he's mainly speaking there in his capacity as the Danny Ward fan club president. <laughs> he is. I'm kind of... I I don't like that, the, the right wing, not the, the president of the fan club, mm-hmm. just because <laughs> that would be taking Gavin White's position. I know that's a strange thing to say because Gavin White hasn't uh, set the world alight. But he's a young player, kind of finding his feet, growing all the time. I think. Mm-hmm. I think so as well. I think... I'd rather him be given the the chance of the run and and to make you know, give him the game time because you know things aren't particularly going great anyway, and you know there's not that many options that would come in. And you know, if Mendes Lang was fully firing, you say, okay, well maybe he gets in in front of him. But if I look at this you know squad now and I say, who's going to be here in five years still starting for Cardiff? It's probably only Gavin White is one of the ones I say, maybe Patterson. So I'd rather yeah. give him the time and and you know to make that his own and to grow and, and and make an impression. Yeah, and I just feel like it would be it would fly in the face really of, of signing wingers like him if we then just put a striker in there because it's you know and I, I I just don't think it would it would benefit the team really as a whole because I think Gavin White is is a bit like Junior Hoyle in the sense that you play him because he's quite good defensively, isn't he? Yeah. And I think um, that's what we get with Hoylet. Hoylet's very good defensively. But if we were to play, say, Danny Ward and, and, and Josh Murphy on the wings or, so, or a combination like that, then I think we would lose some of that defensive cover and we'd probably be a bit more open at the back. And I just don't think he's got those wingers' instincts that would that benefit the whole team, really. And the second question on, on Danny Ward comes from Alan Grimes, who says, do you find it frustrating that Danny Ward's a wizard of the bench? I like that one. Yeah, I like that. A, I new, do... a new champ, couldn't it? Yeah, he's a wizard. I, what what tune would it go to? I don't know. I'm not going to try. <laughs> uh, I, I'll hum it. You sing it. Um, I think I think it is frustrating, really, because I think he he always gives those glimpses, doesn't he? And he comes off the bench, and you think it was in West Brom where we were four one down or three one down. I can't remember. And he came off the bench and he scored a couple of goals. Oh no, we were whatever to nil down. He came on, scores two goals, and you think, God, we've got a player on our hands here. But then. He starts the next game, or he starts a few games down the line, and he just doesn't do it. And I think it's—I don't again. It's—I don't really know what the answer is. Is he better off the bench? Does he have feel like he comes off the bench and has a point to prove, so therefore he's going to put those yeah. chances away? Or it's like he thrives as that underdog, isn't it? And suddenly yeah. he's the main man, and it's a bit too much. It all goes a bit flat. I don't really know. I think I would like. I, I think he showed last season was it, in the Arsenal game where he started and he scored that goal. And we thought, all right, here we go. He's going to kick on from here. And he, and he never really did. Uh, I know there was a few injury um, problems and things like that. But it's just it's just a real conundrum, really. Because, like you say, he is a wizard off the bench. He comes off the bench and you think, we have a player on our hands here. But then as soon as he starts a game, it, he just gets a bit lost. And I wonder if that's because when he comes off the bench, we're more likely to play him alongside someone. Um, so if he comes off the bench, you're... And you, you might play him alongside Glatzel instead of taking Glatzel off, or, or or something like that. And then when he when he starts up front, he tends to start by himself, and he's just not that lone target man as we said earlier. I don't know. It's it's. I, I wish I could answer that question. And another question: Blue Man sixty one asks, "Do you think we should have sold Kadeem Harris and Anthony Pilkington?" Oh, you go because I I feel like you've got an opinion on this. Well, I was just saying, Pilkington. Yes, I liked Pilkington, and I think actually Pilkington of two years ago would have done well in this team. Mm-hmm. But, you know, two years on or, or whatever it is, I, I think he's probably not good enough. Harris, 
I always liked Harrison. I think a lot of Cardiff fans did and, and we're all rooting for him. But I understand on, on all parts why he did leave, why he left for him and, and why the club let him go. Um, yeah. Obviously now with hindsight, he, he's done pretty well at... Well, he started really well, doesn't he? He's kind of fizzed off a little bit, but but been pretty solid at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, yeah, I, I think I think hindsight is always twenty twenty in these situations, right? And I think when we started the Premier League season, I had no inkling that Kadeem Harris would get anywhere near that team. And then you know the, the Fulham game, he came off the bench, and I think it was then the Brighton game where I think he got man of the match yeah. um, against Brighton, where he, he hit the bar and he was you know very involved with the goals and everything else. And I think. He had two or three really good performances last year, but then he went off the ball completely as well. And I think, I understand from his perspective, he'd been at the club since Malky Mackay, which is, I think he came in the, the winter of 2012, um, the January transfer window of that year, it has made a sort of an average of about 10 appearances per season. I know he, he, he tended to feature more under Warnock than he had previously. And I think it was, it was best for both sides, really, that he did go on because he wants to play football uh, you know, at least 60 minutes a week or he wants to be more involved in the squad. And I just don't think we were going to give him that um, because we had, at that time, we would have had Mendes, Lang, Murphy and Hoylett really all ahead of him. And we were probably obviously looking to sign Gavin White. So would he have been third, fourth or fifth in the pecking order? I don't think he was willing to do that. And I think the Pilkington one is, again, it's hindsight is twenty twenty, but I think we should have, I think keeping him for the Premier League season would have made more sense than keeping Gary Medin for the Premier League season. Because yeah. I just think Pilkington was a player who came in as a winger, come striker, scored goals, always seemed to come up with an important goal or an important moment as he did um, scoring the goal against Sheffield United. And it was a shame that we just cut him loose, really. And I think, you know, I, I understand from his perspective, there's probably stuff going on behind the scenes with Warnock and, and everything else. And he was on the, on the, on the edge of going out and on the fringes already. But I just think in the Premier League season, there were probably moments where we could have done with someone like him just to come off the bench. I, I don't think, yeah. I don't necessarily think he would have scored, you know, made a material difference over the season. He might have got a couple of goals in situations when others wouldn't. I mean, he probably would have scored more goals than Umanayas, for for example. <laughs> but we just, we just by getting rid of him and, and not keeping him for the Premier League season, we we lacked an option really. And I think yeah. it was, it it was just a bit it was a bit short-sighted really that we did just get rid of him rather than trying to bring him in from the cold. Yeah. And you know, we could almost say the same of, of Lee Tomlin as well. Couldn't you know? Looking, yeah, exactly. And I think, and I, I think, but I think, I think I'll always, always think about Lee Tomlin, that I do think he was his own worst enemy that first season. And then especially last season, I think the first season in the second half of the season, he went alone to Nottingham Forest and did okay. And then last season he was on loan at Peterborough, um, and they even, you know, even someone like Peterborough said they were they were getting the worst out of him. And I think there was, I, you know, I, he told his story about struggling with his mental health and everything else. And I think there was just so much going on behind the scenes that we were never going to see the best of him for those two seasons. And you know, I, I just don't think it was ever really going to work out um, up until now in in that sense. Yeah. Two more questions. We we kind of spoke about the one already. Super Soul asked about Callum Patterson's best position. Should he be replacing or keeping other forwards out of the team? We've kind of spoken about that, but mm-hmm. I think either either, either as a, a more ten, like a withdrawn striker, winning those flick ons, yeah, or as a target man for me. Yeah, and I think yeah, I, w- I would absolutely agree with that. And I think he's he. Uh, we've seen no matter where you play him, you seem to get a good performance out of him. And I think he's a he can be a fox in the box and very reactive to, to balls dropping to him. He can run onto passes as he did against Southampton last season. He is very good at being a target man and bringing others into play. I, I just think it's anywhere in that final third, really. You could even probably put him on the wing and he'd probably put, do a really good job. Um, I'd be interested I, to see him as, as if we are going to play like a three or five at the back as that wing back. Because obviously that's at, yeah. at Hearts and where he came through, he did so well. I know Warnock would say he couldn't defend, but, you know. I mean, I... I, I think you know. He said he couldn't defend, but I think he'd give it a bloody good go. And I think um, if you played him a lot, if you played him and White together, I could see that as quite a fruitful combination, really. Because White isn't, you know, he can get past players, but he's more likely to stop and bring others into play. And if you've got someone like Patson overlapping, yeah, um, and, and getting down the line, then White can play his more natural game, which is that more uh, conservative winger. And then you can get Patson down the line and getting balls in, or even. I don't, you know, if 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 we're feeling that that kind of fruity, you can get into the box onto the end of balls from from the left side. Then I'd be very interested to see that. 
And final question from Matthew Davey, and he asks, do you think the squad depth is what's holding us back from Harris finding his best starting eleven every week as he has to try and keep a lot of players happy and interested? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I personally I, think I, he just actually doesn't know what his best eleven is yet. Yeah, I, I, I'm more likely to say that I don't think he knows what his best eleven is. And I also think there's a, there's a, there's a few people out there suggesting that the, the squad compiled by Warnock isn't good enough. They're not Harris players. But I think that there's the makings of a very good team uh, in this squad. If you look at the defenders we've got, you know, Sean Morrison, Peltier and Bennett were all involved in the promotion season. You've got Riles and um, Kuna in the midfield who played in the Premier League, were involved in the promotion season. We've got wingers like Hoyler and we've got players like Patson who are all involved in that promotion season. So I don't think it's a case that the, the squad isn't good enough. I just think I just think Harris doesn't really know a, how he wants to set out, and B, the the best personnel to 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 fulfil what he wants. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. Um, that's all the questions we've got. One thing we should have acknowledged at, at the start was um, obviously it was a year anniversary since the uh, the tragedy involving Emiliano Salah, and it's been a strange year, Ben, hasn't it? In 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 that it's gone so mm. quick, and I suddenly it baffled me the day that there had been a year and. You know, still so many so many questions and, and unanswered yeah. things yeah I mean uh, it still doesn't really feel re- real does it I, I remember waking up on um, that Monday or Tuesday um, last year when his, his plane had gone missing and you know he'd been missing for sort of 12 hours by the time we'd all woken up and, and got you know heard the news and everything else and it it's just I, I don't think the club I don't think the club has ever fully recovered and I don't, I, you know, there's all the financial kind of wranglings going on in the background, but I think emotionally the club was, was hit really hard by that because it was just something that no one had ever had to deal with. And I think, you know, it's still, it's still, uh, the wrong word is looms over the club, but it's still, it still hang, hangs over the club, doesn't it? I think that's when, when you look at things that are going on on the pitch, off the pitch, I think that the, the, the fallout from Emiliano Solar and the tragedy is still, is still um, causing the club a lot of, a lot of um, pain and heartache. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll leave it there. Thanks for for joining this week, and um, hopefully a win on Saturday kickstart the season, and and we'll catch you soon. Yeah, fingers crossed. Thanks for having me.